When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get it? The Bird Show. Abby is calling BS. BS on TikTok. At least one TikToker. Yeah, so I interviewed this guy named Mac and Murphy a while back for my podcast. He's a genetic scientist. He went to like Oxford or something. He's a super smart dude. And he has these really intelligent takes on dating and relationships. And normally, every time I see him pop up on my TikTok feed, I'm like, this guy's spitting facts. <laughs> <laughs> Until yesterday. I was scrolling on my For You page, and he said something that I think is going to be kind of controversial. Because I think most women will feel differently. But he posted about how women usually complain about how they believe, and this is, I'm saying women, and when I say women, I mean me, um, men are typically threatened by successful women. Here's what he had to say about that. There's a very common stereotype that men are intimidated by successful women. Now, studies generally show that men are less attracted to status and resources and mates than women, but that's not the same as saying that they're repelled by it. Preference studies and behavioral studies usually show this coming out as either a neutral or a positive for a woman's mating success. And if you just want to look at outcomes in aggregate, right, like big picture, more educated women are less likely to be single than less educated women. So it doesn't really seem to be the case that women are succeeding themselves out of the mating market. In fact, it seems to be the opposite. I personally think about this as a self-soothing belief, analogous to when men say nice guys finish last, right? It feels good to say that women don't like me because I'm just too nice or men don't like me because I'm just too successful. But in reality, these traits are probably helping you and almost certainly not hurting you. Self-soothing comments. Mm -hmm. Wow. Which part of this you're not buying? So I'm not buying it because me and all my friends, I would consider us objectively successful for our age. We are girls who worked really hard in school. So from, you know, from like on paper, we're successful. Whether or not you believe we're successful in real life, that's uh, subjective to you. But we have found that statement to be different from our experiences in real life because all of my experiences with guys where I've dated them and talked about my successes and careers and my podcast and your aspirations and my aspirations they've either been shot down or they've been poo-pooed so for example when I was out this weekend and I was telling a guy about my podcast he was like well how many followers do you have and I get you know gave him a number he goes that's like nothing and I was like Mm -hmm. I can't tell if you're trying to be funny or flirt with me he goes no he's like that's like not a lot because we had been talking about him maybe coming on the podcast because he was telling me his breakup story 14 is a lot of people yeah, 14. It's a bit, it's a whole room. <laughs> we don't even have 14 people in the studio. And I've that's been a common experience for me and for a lot of my friends where when we kind of rag on or brag on our successes, it's typically shot down by guys who mm. are interested in, in us romantically. Really interested to get your take on this, Mo. Uh, I, I've never personally been the guy that is intimidated by a woman's success or intelligence. I'm attracted to that. But I, I have heard a lot of women say that they experience that. So I know it's a thing. I, sometimes, honestly, I think um, boys give men a bad rep. I, mm. I, I think it's boys a lot of the time that are intimidated and don't really know how to handle a woman in that position. And a lot of times women just think that that's men. But I, I don't think I think once you get to a certain place in, in confidence in yourself as a man, I don't think that bothers you at all. I think there's another aspect of this, too. It's like maybe men aren't fearful or dismissive of successful women. You can be successful just as long as you're not more successful than That's me. exactly what it See, is. I, I think, you know, speaking as a guy, at least I have the parts and stuff. Um, I'm with Mo here. Like boys and men are different. Like mm-hmm. you're talking to guys that are 25, 26 years old that... Most said it better than I did. I think they're losers. Losers! (laughs) Look, if any man comes around, any boy comes around, and they're intimidated by your success or by your attitude or your ambition, they're never going to work for you anyway because that's what you are. And any guy that trips on that kind of, like, power trip, not even worth dating. So 
I am totally the other way around. Um, that I, I don't think there's anything sexier than a woman that is independent, capable, and successful, and Funny. has ambition, and doesn't need me. I want the woman that doesn't need me. Yes. That, to me, is the the sexiest thing. Well, I would like to know where to find those men, because that hasn't been my experience, and in a lot of situations, I've felt put down, especially, especially when I was at my most successful, when I was charting the highest on my... Um, for my podcast, that was when my dating life was the worst because I would be like so excited to talk about it and they would roll their eyes and not want and kind of push on to the next subject. So I don't know where those men are at, but I'd like to find them. It'd be I don't great. know where they are either. <laughs> <laughs> They're a few years away maybe. Um, years. I think well, what Mo said, I've never yeah. heard it said like that, but I think that is super, super true. I, I, yeah, I've always felt that way. I mean, and, and it goes both ways, but a lot of times when I hear women speak to their experiences with men, I always, in the back of my mind, feel like that's because you're talking to boys. Mm-hmm. You're not talking to a Where man. Where the men at? Hit me up. <laughs> Get it. The Bird Show. Kristen, you're wondering if you're being scammed or not. I am concerned I am being scammed, and they are using one of my dead relatives to do it. I got a phone call the other night at 8 o'clock at night, right? It's a phone number um, from an area. I didn't know it. I never answer the phone if it's a number I don't know. Uh, But they left a voicemail. So I listened to the voicemail, and it is a woman from a probate company. Now, for the record, I don't know the first thing about probate. I don't know how it works. Um, It's when you take care of yourself and there's not another sexual partner around. (laughs) That's not probation. That's a different Asian. (laughs) That's a different Asian. And so she leaves this voicemail saying, um, hello, Kristen. uh, First, I want to give you my condolences. And I'm like, where is this going? And she goes, I'm from blah, 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 probate company. And we are calling in reference to your uncle's estate. Uh, For those that don't know, my uncle David passed away um, just a couple months ago, right? And um, they are from the state of Ohio where my uncle resided and where he lived and where he passed away. And they, she said that she needed to talk to me about my uncle David's estate, So at first, not knowing what probate was, I'm like, oh, this is a lawyer calling about Uncle David's will. He he, maybe he left me and my brother something in the will, which would be very, very kind of him. So, of course, I immediately call back. (laughs) 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 But so what happened was to give you the full scope Mm. of where I was mentally, I call back and it goes to her voicemail. So I, because it's her cell, I'm not calling a business, I'm calling a cell. So that's like, these little red flags are being ticked off. Eight o'clock at night, which is out of business hours, and I'm calling a cell phone, right? And then I get off, and I'm, now I'm in my feels about dead relatives. So I went through my phone and started listening to old voicemails. Because <laughs> I'm <laughs> I don't know. I needed to hear my dad's voice. And so I listened to an old voicemail from Uncle David, and it was so sweet. And I started crying. And then I listened to an old voicemail of my dad, and I start crying. And then she calls back, and I'm like, great. (laughs) So I pull myself together, and I answer the phone. And she proceeds to tell me, according to her, Uncle David did not have a will. Um... And that in order for my brother and I to get our fair share of the state, of his estate, so it doesn't go to the state of Ohio, we have to, like, submit paperwork or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And she's going through all this, and she's like, and I'm not fully grasping probate, and I'm not going to even be able to explain it well here, because there are some things. I have a really great radio IQ. (laughs) Other IQs, not so much, and this would be one of them. So you have a low IQ about IQs? Yes. (laughs) So she's explaining things and that, yeah, um, that she's sending a letter to myself and my brother because my uncle David, he did not marry and he has no children. So that means his estate would like either go to his parents who are deceased or would go to his siblings. Well, both his siblings are deceased. So that means it's going to go to his nieces and nephews, right? Well, because my dad is deceased, they hit up Morgan and I. And because um, one of my Aunt Marilyn's daughters is deceased, they're hitting up her. So 
they have like, they work with genealogy and they have all this family tree stuff, right? They have access to these documents and I don't know what is public record, what is not, but she's explaining all this stuff and, you know, like they'll need a, a copy of my dad's death certificate. They need a copy of my birth certificate. They need a copy of my marriage license and all this stuff so we can file, so we can get our fair share of my uncle's estate so it doesn't get deferred. Mm-hmm. To the state of Ohio. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, but why would it get deferred to the state of Ohio? Because I have eight other cousins um, that would be eligible for this. So that's why I was asking her. It still I'm like, has to be claimed though, right? Exactly. Uh-huh. And she goes, well, it looks like they already have representation. And I was like, I don't know. I got off the phone And I'm like, something just feels off about this. So I start doing, like, I start Googling to see if this company is legit. And from what I can tell, it's it's legit. But it's like, I one, I'm not turning over any documents. Two, I'm not signing anything. Like she's, she sent me her business card via text. She sent me um, a DocuSign to sign. And she needs everybody to sign in order for her to file this. Um, And the probate company, they get 18% of whatever you are able to get of your inheritance. All right, so... But technically, it's not inheritance because Uncle David didn't have a will. Your husband is pretty sm- is pretty strong in the IQ department. He is very, yes. Um, where did he come out with this? So he was working all day yesterday. So we had this conversation last night. I'm like, FYI, this is the call I took. And, and immediately he goes, you didn't sign anything, did you? <laughs> and I'm like, I know I screwed up with the passports, but I have learned my lesson and I did not sign anything. Um... It just, I don't know, something feels really, really off about it. All right, somebody here saying, uh, Bert Show listener saying, yeah, you're being scams. Good morning, Bert Show. Who's this? 100% scam. One what? 100% scam. A family law attorney and just fight it yourself. So you are 100% scam. You're being scammed. Yeah, you're going to send me your birth certificate? I'm not sending my birth certificate to no guy named Cecil. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think he nailed it. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right, then. I think that says it. Appreciate you. Uh, one more quick call here. Pamela, we got about 30 seconds. What you got? Kristen, I would call the probate um, court in the county where your uncle passed away. All that information is public record. I used to work for probate court for eight years here in Georgia. Okay. I would not go through another company. I would go through the probate court in that county and talk to them. Okay, gotcha. I Thank you so much. That's, that's hugely helpful. Get it. The Bird Show. I love when you guys send me uh, DMs on Instagram with content that we can actually use. This is freaking awesome. So yesterday we got into this conversation. How did we get into the breastfeeding conversation yesterday? Well, Abby sent a content email. So I had seen something on the shade room where a woman and her husband were trying to justify why he breastfeeds from her ch- from from her own breast. And then you guys were like, well, you obviously haven't heard of the ninny. And I was like, yeah. I have not, and nor do I want to, but you did anyway. I, I wish I could men in black my mind from yesterday. No, you don't. Yes. You loved it, and you will refer back to it on your podcast. I guarantee it. Um, but after that, the ninny call from years ago was uh, a woman that was in like her 20s that, uh, for comfort, used to take to her mom's breasts as an adult. And she we're took like, the breast when she was high stress. People have been talking about it for 15 years, right? We thought it couldn't get any freakier than that. And then yesterday we got more that even trumped those. Yeah, we got more phone calls. One from a woman who worked at a daycare and apparently the parents of a four-year-old admitted that she breastfed her four-year-old and her husband at the same time. Damn. Two for one. Damn. People are nasty. Yuck. There are some other stories like that yesterday, and then I I get this one from one of you guys uh, today. I'm not really sure who Julia Hart is in the celebrity world. She's a professional wrestler and former cheerleader. Okay. So from page six, Julia Hart revealed she breastfed her brother, who is 23 years her junior and just a few months younger than her eldest daughter. After her mom asked her to. So Cassie and I were discussing this. We need some more details. So I got. All right. Because if she, if he was an infant, right? So her mom had her 
and then years later, give like she has a sibling, but it's a baby, and she has just had her own baby, and so she is engorged and she's producing milk, and mom, her mom is not, and she wants breast milk for her baby, but she can't produce, so she asked her daughter to do it for her brother. <laughs> I don't think it's as, now that I'm saying it, I don't don't think it's It's as weird. I don't think it's as weird. But it's all under the umbrella of weird. (laughs) Just not as high up. So some more details. She had just given birth to her daughter. So her brother at the time was also a baby. Yes. So it was two babies. But then later on, and I don't know how to pronounce it, there was, she was in a community in New York that sort of eschewed modern beliefs, which she ended up leaving at the age of 42. So it sounds like there was another added element onto that. Not like a cult, but it was like some kind of really religious group. Mm. Like, I wouldn't put my brother to my teat, but I would pomp for him. <laughs> but at that point, like, I, I'll be honest, if I just had a baby and my brother is, like, my mother had a baby, I'm not, even though the that baby is biologically my brother, it doesn't seem like my brother because it's just a baby. Do you want to wa- walk that back? Are Wait. you sure that you don't want your brother on your teat? I am 99.9% positive. But you said you'd be fine with pumping for your brother and... Yeah, and giving the milk to my mom so she can give them to my brother. It's a wet nurse. gross. No, it's not. That wet nurse exists. to my your brother? Yeah, there's, what, what's wrong with hey, it? Hey, sis, top me off on yeah. my Fruit Loops. If I'm He's the brother... Baby. If, if, if I'm the brother, top. no thank She's you. She's not giving it to her brother. She's giving it to the brother for the child. No, 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 no I'm giving it to my brother. I'm giving my milk to my brother. Yes. I'm, my, I'm giving it to my mom, no. who nope. just had, gave birth gross. to my brother. No. So he, but there is nothing it's, gross it's about it. It's literally not gross. It's gross if you are sexualizing it, which yes. sounds like y'all are, but wet nurses exist. You can hire people oh to breastfeed your baby. There yeah, are. who aren't related to you. But there are, <laughs> that milk doesn't, it's not like they're going to, it's like an incest breast milk. That's right. not how that works. That's there are, gross. There are, did you know? Well, that's fine. Next time, if, if one of you guys have a kid, just uh, go ahead and throw somebody a glass. No, there are breast <laughs> milk supply banks. You there can are. donate your breast milk if, if it's in within certain parameters yeah, for to other, other moms. people. It doesn't feel weird to you that it's the same relative no. at all? It, the, the request, if my mom came to me and said, can you breastfeed your brother? That's weird. I would feel weirded out. But if she came to me and said, I can't produce, can you give me some breast milk? I'd be like, okay, sure. Yeah. It, it's like, not weird. I would hop in the freezer and I would pull out whatever I had. <laughs> pumped and froze yeah. and like here's the stuff that's about okay. to expire enjoy let's put it this way if your mom came to you and said can you share some pizza with your brother the pizza that you cooked oh, is that weird no. No. it's so what oven did it come out of it's just food it is sustenance it is food did the pizza come out of my man boobs yes it did <laughs> it's, it's not like it's like a gross bodily discharge like urine no. it's, it's literal food that's all it is oh my god I don't know all I know is this guy is getting roasted in a group chat somewhere <laughs> Probably. (laughs) And that's your entertainment bus. (laughs) Get it. The Bird Show. Before we get into uh, this email about her husband having an affair and how complicated that whole damn thing's gotten, um, I just want to mention this because I read this this morning, man, and celebrities are not doing you new moms any favors at all, man. Um, You know, when you see a pregnant celebrity on Instagram and then they have their baby and then... A week and a half later, they have lost all the body or all the baby um, weight. Mm -hmm. It's got to be really intimidating for a woman. That's not the real world, though, right? It's it's not. Listen, every body is different. Some women bounce back in quotations um, faster than others. Some people lose the weight when they breastfeed. Others don't. Um, you also have to take into consideration like what kind of help you have at home, what kind of disposable income you have. Yes. Can you afford a trainer? Can you afford a nutritionist? Can you like, you know, new- healthy food is not cheap. It's expensive. So y- you really do have to take into account what access these celebrities have to help them get back to pre-baby weight. So I'm just mentioning this, Cass, and I know you weren't going to want to get in on this. 40% of women say that between celebrities and their family members, they feel overly pressured to lose baby weight super fast. On average, it takes moms one year and seven months to lose their baby weight. Remember that because it's... A mirage Mm -hmm. when these celebrities that have nine trainers and nutritionists and they're not on set and they can focus on losing that. 
you could really start to feel like that's the real world. And damn, that's not. Your body is healing. I think people forget that yeah. too. Like you just underwent huge changes to the point where your organs have shifted around inside. Your rib cage has expanded. Like there are literal physical changes going on inside that change how you look. And that's what's always bugged me when people are like, you have the same number of hours in the day as Beyonce and look what she achieved. <laughs> Beyonce has millions of dollars in a full team. Like these people have wet nurses, night nurses, the whole nine yards. Your body is supposed to change. And it's okay. I'll say it if you never lose the baby weight. That's fine, too. And Beyonce exercises for a living. Yeah, yeah. that's the other thing, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's Thanks. another thing. She right? doesn't buy her own toilet paper. <laughs> She's never sat down and been like, what are we having for dinner tonight? Those are not problems Beyonce has to face. Right. And that's fine. More power to her. I just thought that was important to pass on. It's a mirage, man. Social media, celebrity, world's a mirage. All right, the email that you guys sent, she needs some advice when it comes to her husband. He had an affair. She thought it was all wrapped up. Turns out that it's not. She wants to get some advice from you guys. Dear Burt Show, I need some marriage advice. A little over a year ago, I found out I was pregnant after having fertility issues for nine years. God love you. In this same week, I found out my husband was having late night chats on the phone with an ex. Initially, I thought he had stopped and was committed to me and our growing family. However, four months into my pregnancy, I found deleted text on his phone of him telling her that he loved her and wanted to get back with her. So at four months pregnant, I left with the intent to get divorced. However, after speaking with a lawyer, the odds were against me as a pregnant woman who was laid off from work due to me having a high-risk pregnancy. I made the decision to reconcile with him a few weeks before we had our son after he got bored with his mistress and asked for me back. Now we are six months into the reconciliation, and this is where I need advice. He is constantly getting upset with me over what I post on social media. If I just post my kids, he thinks I'm posing as a single mom. If I just post a picture of me, he says I'm fishing for validation and trying to come off single. If I post pictures of me and him, he makes negative sarcastic comments about pretending we are a happy couple when we aren't. When it comes to platforms where I can share memes or quotes, I share what is funny and relative to how I feel. Making jokes is how I cope outside of speaking with my therapist when things that, with things that bother me. Since he refuses to go to couples therapy, even though I have been in therapy since I was seven months pregnant. For a long time, he was deleted off of my social media, even before the affair, because he constantly made rude comments about things like me posting a selfie with my freshly dyed hair on my Instagram story or anything else that came off as looking for validation. Oh, he sounds like a real winner. Right. It's exhausting. Which is not the intent behind anything I post. But once again, he is back on social media nitpicking everything I do and don't post. All while he can do whatever he wants, and I don't say a word about it because I don't care. Mm. I am tempted to just quit posting altogether because I'm tired of being ridiculed and judged for the one or two things I post every few weeks. Should I just quit posting things altogether since nothing I post is okay anymore? Should I go back to keeping him off my social media to avoid the drama? Or how should I talk to him about it? And how do I talk to him about it without it turning to a fight? Between Kristen, Burke, Cassie, and Tommy all being in committed relationships, I think you will all be able to steer me in the right direction. Thank you. Yeah, I'll try to be really sensitive here. He sounds like an a-hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's manipulating you in a big way. Um, so why do you have to get off social media because he's being an a-hole? That's it makes no sense. To me. I feel like you're letting the terrorists win. Facts. I agree. hundred percent. I think the problem is so much bigger than just social media. Yeah. I think you trying to change your behavior is a, an honorable attempt at trying to fix the situation. But I think regardless, even if you never post on social media, he'll find something else to deflect whatever insecurities he's got going on inside of him onto you. So I think this is a deeper issue. How do you deal with a guy like him, though? Because if you do keep posting on social media, which I think she should. He's just going to keep coming at her. And at a point, I feel like she's probably just going to feel like it's not even worth it. Did they say that they were still together? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They reconciled Um, right before the baby was born. I, 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 I don't know I, how you deal with somebody. I get so like torn it. when it comes to social media also because so much of it seems so uh, superficial that anytime there's any kind of stress involved in it, you got to really ask. I, I ask myself, is this, re is this real? Like social media posts, do they really have any meaning at all? But in a case like this, this is his problem. You know, but why does she have to alter what she's saying? Because he's a huge a-hole. It, it is his problem, but he's making it her problem by the way he's speaking to her and like coming down on her. If I were you, I'd block him so he can't see it.
Ooh. He can't bitch about what he can't see. Mm-hmm. Then you gonna complain about that? <laughs> well, I'd rather him complain about that yeah. than what I'm posting personally. This is a guy that's gonna find something to complain about no matter what. Yep. Preach. Right? Yep. Yep. Yes. All right. Can we move on? Yes. Sure. Yep. I hate that guy. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of spicy foods, but I do like a bit of spice in other areas of my life. Reality TV fights make it spicy. My margaritas make them very spicy. And when it comes to the spice cabinet you keep beside your bed, you got to have a wide variety of spices to keep things heated up. If you've been looking for some more flavor to add to your life behind closed doors, Adam and Eve can help you bring the heat with some fun new items to turn up the temp between you and someone else. Or if it's a single girl summer, there's plenty of options for those of you riding solo this year. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and they'll include free shipping and rush processing so you can spice things up ASAP. And you don't got to worry about your neighbors noticing your delivery. Adam and Eve ships things out in discreet packaging. So you and Deborah down the street don't have to make awkward eye contact when you get your mail. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item and select just enter offer code Abby at checkout. That's A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This exclusive offer is specific to this podcast. So be sure to use code Abby to get your discount code Abby. I'm not a huge fan of spicy foods, but I do like a bit of spice in other areas of my life. Reality TV fights make it spicy. My margaritas make them very spicy. And when it comes to the spice cabinet you keep beside your bed, you got to have a wide variety of spices to keep things heated up. If you've been looking for some more flavor to add to your life behind closed doors, Adam and Eve can help you bring the heat with some fun new items to turn up the temp between you and someone else. Or if it's a single girl summer, there's plenty of options for those of you riding solo this year. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and they'll include free shipping and rush processing so you can spice things up ASAP. And you don't got to worry about your neighbors noticing your delivery. Adam and Eve ships things out in discreet packaging. So you and Deborah down the street don't have to make awkward eye contact when you get your mail. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item and select just enter offer code Abby at checkout. That's A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This exclusive offer is specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code Abby to get your discount. Code Abby. Get it. The Bird Show. I I believe I might have psychic abilities. Okay. (laughs) Jackson, Jackson Kim, our new phone screener, will you please find one Bird Show listener to get a psychic reading from me? Right now, one eight five five Bird Did you mean to say psychic or did you mean psycho? Uh-huh. Uh, bird. <laughs> so, uh, a couple of days ago, for my fiance's birthday, I hired a whole bunch of professionals to come in. She had some friends come over. I got a manis and petties and. Uh, she- Tiffany and a bunch of her friends are really into this whole psychic astrology reading stuff. So I hired a psychic as well. Turns out. out I hired way too many people and I wasted a lot of money. Anyway, so because all the girls were getting their um, manis and petties and facials and everything done, the psychic comes into the house and she's got nothing to do. All the girls are getting massages and they're getting all their services and stuff. So I'm like, all right, I'll buy into this. So I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm paying for it. Yeah. Why well, you got some downtime? Got some downtime. Use it. Hit me, girl. Yep. So, and I am open to this kind of stuff. I do believe that there are some people that have gifts. They are few and far between, mm-hmm. but I do believe that there are some people that have gifts. Anyway, I sat down with her. I don't even know who the hell she was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she, I I mean, and I want to do the exact same thing to a listener here that she did to me because she closed her eyes and the first things that came out of her mouth were the visions that she was having from either the other side or those that were advising her on my life. But I'd say if she said 20 things, Two of them might have been right. Ooh, that's not, those aren't, those aren't good batting averages. Okay. That ain't Hall of Fame, even in no, baseball. No, you're getting called down to the minors. Yeah, you're yes. going from the pros down to single A. <laughs> so I would like to see if I can hit just a little bit better than the professional that I paid for over the weekend. Okay. All right. I'm just going to randomly, hold on. The spirits are telling me. Oh, yeah. It's not random. <laughs> to take caller four. What's her name? Um, (laughs) spirits are telling me Hannah, something with an H. Oh my gosh. Yes, that's it. Good morning. Good morning. What's your name? 
Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that my spirit is named Jackson Kim, and he's on the phone. <laughs> All right, Hannah, I don't want to know anything about you whatsoever. This is exactly what the psychic did to me as well. Give me just a couple of seconds here. I will close my eyes. I will start to write some things down, and then I will run them by you, and you tell me if they make any sense whatsoever, okay? Okay. Okay. The spirits are communing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> His eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. He didn't like that picture. <laughs> oh, we're on to the next page. Ooh, he's scribbling. I'll be shocked if he can read his handwriting with his eyes closed because I can't read it when his eyes are open. That in itself is a gift. <laughs> I love this man, but he has the worst handwriting. Ever. It's deciphering ancient runes. You guys are... Oh, sorry. Sorry. My sorry. Bad. sorry. Oh. If this is off, it's all because of you guys now. 100. It's our fault, not yours. Just try to not let, let there be dead air while you talk to dead people. All right, Hannah. Um, he's a psychic, not a medium. <laughs> well, he's the one communing with spirits. You tell him that. <laughs> Call me whatever you want. Idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, um, I'm seeing the color red. Red is a very prominent color somehow, some way in your life. Is that, does that resonate with you at all? No. Perfect. <laughs> oh, for one. Is it, no, that's is what it, he was going for. Can I, can I? Yeah, can, sure, you can help. Is it, um, is it a light red? Like maybe a, like a pink? Um, I mean, that would uh, make more sense. So maybe you got the gift. <laughs> 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 Why are you still shine like that? Oh, All right. Um, me and my sparkler is going to hang out over here. Um, I, I see, I feel like there is a lot of tension with a woman close to you. Does that resonate? Always. Always. <laughs> Look at that. Ooh, wow. Mm-hmm. Impressive. Um, have you recently been to the ocean or are you planning a trip to the ocean? No. A lake? <laughs> no. Do you, glass, do you have a glass of water this <laughs> yeah. morning? Wash your hands in the sink. <laughs> did, you take a shower? did you take a shower this morning? Yes. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, why, why is a Smurf coming to mind? <laughs> did you used to watch the Smurfs <laughs> when you were a kid? Is there... <laughs> Yeah, I grew up watching Smurfs. Wow. Wow. Uh-huh. Did your psychic ask you that? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is what my my spirits were telling me, though. Oh, okay. And it, it could it be possible, Bert, that you saw ocean and water, not because she's going there, but maybe because she might have a fear of it? <gasps> you have a fear oh. of water? Drowning? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the spirits are spirited. Hold on one second. All right, Kristen, (laughs) take 30 seconds. Write down. (laughs) I don't want to do this. I think think you're the one. I have to work off your incompetency. (laughs) Maybe she needs, like, some Smurf floaties. (laughs) I am also feeling like you don't feel like you're in the right place right now. There's something in your life that is drawing you somewhere else, but you're too afraid to make that leap. She's wondering why she called for this big ass. <laughs> <laughs> is that resonating with you at all? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Of course, it is. Well, of course it is. Yeah. <sighs> you're thinking about a hair color change. Yeah. Man's heating up. And finally, the car that you are driving, does it have an accelerator and brakes? (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Wow. There it is. Amazing. Actually, a couple of those were pretty. Yeah, the hair color thing kind of freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> so I you know, actually, you did a much better job than the second. Not even close. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> it's the Bird Show. Get it? The Bird Show.
The one thing I've always taken a lot of pride on on The Burt Show is that we try to be as diverse as we can. Um, Mo gives us a different perspective. Uh, Romeo gave us an amazing perspective in the Latino community. Katie does. Katie does as well. Rebecca does. Jackson Kim, our new phone screener, is uh, Korean. And he was sharing with me, like, some of the same stuff that Romeo used to talk about with, like, um, first generation uh, versus, like, Latino American and, in your case, Korean American. And the different stresses... And the differences between both. Exactly, exactly. So obviously with a first generation, that's someone who's born and grows up in a foreign country and then immigrates over here. Second being um, born here, but then parents are elsewhere, right? And so um, when it comes to me, it's like weird for me because I kind of fall between that where my mom was born in Korea and moved here when she was seven, but my dad was born in the States. So does that make me like a 2.5 generation? Like, you know, where do I kind of fit in that? (laughs) Is there like a discrimination uh, that you can feel between Koreans if like your first generation or not? I th- well, first generations definitely like handle things differently. They're the ones that are obviously the most tied to the culture of like wherever they're from. And so when it comes to that, they're like more of like the hardcore ones. And then it kind of like becomes a little bit more like, like less aggressive mm. as, as the generations go on, if that makes sense. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is the fact that like, you know, even though I have this, you know, generational label, whatever, it doesn't really matter what you call it. The nomenclature doesn't really matter. It all depends on like how your parents want to instill the culture inside of you. And I feel like this is true for, um, you know, anyone who has immigrant parents or grandparents is that there's this constant push and pull between um, how much your parents want to instill the culture into you and how much they want you to like fully assimilate into wherever the new places that you moved from. Okay. So my mom, for example, um, she moved here when she was seven. So she kind of has the best of both worlds where she has like fluent English, fluent Korean, no accent. And um, when we were kids, we, she didn't really, Korean wasn't spoken in our house, things like that. Um, But we still held fast to some traditions and some things like that, right? Whereas her sister, on the other hand, held much more strongly to a lot of those traditions. Mm. And so like her kids were doing like traditional Korean dance classes when they were kids. And like one of my cousins who recently got married a few years ago had like a separate fully Korean traditional wedding. And so like there's a big, there's a gap. And so it's less about what you label them and it's more about like what the individual experience is. Interesting, man. Mm -hmm. And how is it for you as far as your connection with your culture? It's been a roller coaster honestly um growing up i definitely rejected it as much as i could because i just wanted to be like everyone else that mm. i was around right and so that came with like telling my mom like i don't want korean food packed for lunch i want to eat what all the other kids are eating that mm. that kind of thing right and so growing up you know i definitely pushed back a lot and um she did want us to learn korean so we had like we would go to korean we had a tutor that would come like on the weekends on sundays and i hated it and i would push back every single mm. time and i really rejected it. It wasn't until I got a little bit older and matured a little bit where I started having a little bit more pride in myself and my culture. Um, but at that point, it felt like I had already wasted a lot of time like being so, I wouldn't say ashamed, but just like not fully embracing who I actually was. Mm-hmm. Why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> I just find the different the differences in cultures just incredibly fascinating to me because in the Korean culture also um, is there a reluctance to move out of the house or is it stay here until you find somebody uh, that depends from my experience it there's it's it's the same like as long as you're like if you're, you're born and raised here it's get out of the house but it's a very picky selection process with who mm. you're going to leave to um, moving in with someone before marriage is always up for debate in a conversation that I have yet to have with my parents, and I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, Do they but- want you to be with somebody who is of the same ethnicity? Yes and no. <laughs> um, it was kind of pushed on me as like a kid. That's more of a thing that like my grandparents always would tell me. Like mm. They would always pull me aside and be like, you're going to find yourself a, such a nice young Korean girl and like always, always, always pushing that to me. And I'd always just kind of like laugh it off and be like, yeah, like maybe like we'll see, you know. Mm-hmm. And I want to know if that's actually played a role in like how I view, you know, people when I was like dating a lot and like picking up on attractions. Like, was that something that was kind of subconsciously in the back of my head like was I rejecting people of my same race on purpose or Hmm. you know things like that so it's it's been this weird battle for me for a long time and you know 
the the rough part is that it never quite feels like you're fully ingrained in either. It's like mm. you've got one foot in one side and one foot in the other, and like you don't really know where you fit. Like, it's kind of like no man's land. Literally. And like even when we went to Korea, uh, we, we did a trip to Korea, and like my mom was telling, like, they view Koreans that are not from Korea and don't speak any Korean not super highly. And mm. so, like, when my mom's going around and shopping and, like, bartering at these, like, outdoor markets, she's like, make sure you're not saying anything because then they're going to, like, you know, try to scam us, whatever, like, things like that. And, and then it's like, I'm, like, here in, like, what's supposed to be, like, my ho- my homeland, and I feel like I can't even be myself here, you know? Uh. Well, I joked at the beginning, but this is one of the things that I really love about The Bird Show is that, um, you know, I think sometimes in mainstream radio, there are demographics, you know, and I've tried to explain this, um, that generally morning shows are put together to attract this audience or that audience. And we have really kind of always gone against that grain. So having you and your experience as part of this thing is, is I'm really, really proud of and I'm glad you're part of the show. I'm super happy to be here. And I want to say that, like, my experience is obviously unique to me. Yeah. Everyone else who's also Korean-American has their own woes, their own ups and downs, their own push and pull. A lot of them feel more heavily weighted towards one side or the other. Some of them do feel like they're fully ingrained in both cultures. So it's, this is just me personally giving my take on that it. That was yeah, smart this, of you to get that yeah. out the way. <laughs> I was like, damn it, why did yeah, I say I that? Done that? Right. I was going to ask, I mean, that's a really good road to go down for yeah. just a second because Mo has been here and it was a lot of stress for him initially and I think you still kind of feel it now but what kind of advice can you give him that it sounds like he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders when it comes to this kind of thing. I genuinely think you, you just nailed it because I know for me I, I don't feel the pressure as much as I used to but in the beginning when I came into this position I really didn't think about the fact that there were going to be so many black people who were going to look and expect me to actually nail every single black person's experience and <laughs> whenever my opinion or my experience was a bit different than theirs. It was as if I had offended them in some way when I'm looking at it like I'm just giving you what I've personally experienced. So I think it's important to note exactly what you just said, that if you do get those messages from people saying, well, this is not that way or that's not this way or you let the culture down, it's really coming from a place of projection more than a place of accuracy. And I think you you nailed it with saying that because it it took me a while to figure that one out. (laughs) Gotcha. I'm expecting him to roll in, but, you know, I've I've made my disclaimer, so hopefully I'm off the bat for that. Hopefully people realize individuality is not being dismissive of the culture. It's just your own personal right. experience. Absolutely. Thanks. It's good to have you here, my man. Yeah. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Get it. The Bird Show. All right, so Blaine here has got herself a problem here. She was wondering, like, should I have gone in on this? Should I have not gone in on this? Because there she is in a very kid-friendly environment seeing very non-kid-friendly activities <laughs> happening. Hey, Blaine, good morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Okay, so tell us what happened at the trampoline park. All right. First of all, I am such a huge fan. I'm totally geeking out right now. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Kristen, I've been a fan for like 20 years. I listened to you when you were Kentucky, Kristen. (gasps) Shut out of here. One of my North Carolina peeps. Well, Blaine, thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, So, yeah, over the weekend, my family and I, we went to the trampoline park. And my four-year-old boy, he loves this place. And It had been storming all day. It was three in the afternoon, so the place was completely packed. My husband took my son to jump, and I was with my 10-month-old. And I found a spot on the couch. Parents were, like, hovering and trying to grab spots on the couch. And um, I didn't feel too bad because, you know, I was feeding a baby. (laughs) You shouldn't. (laughs) So, um, but this guy sits down beside me, and he puts his earbuds in and opens his iPad and starts watching a movie. And I see it out of the corner of my eye, and, like, the next 15 minutes, something catches my eye, like, my full attention. And he starts to shift his body, and he moves his arm up, blocking my view, and he starts to, like, hunch over the iPad so no one can see it. And I see a little bit of it, and I realize it's two women, and they're starting to play piano. And it wasn't, like, overly graphic at that moment, but I can imagine where it's going, and the fact that he felt compelled to cover it meant he knew yeah. it was not appropriate. So mm-hmm. he's not watching porn, per se, but he's watching no. a movie with a very intense, intimate yeah. scene. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when the scenes were less dramatic, he would sit back and just watch regularly. But occasionally he would pause it and he'd be texting with somebody on it. And so when he was doing that, I'm not going to lie to you, I was getting a little 
nosy as all get out. And so I would try and read the text messages, <laughs> but I couldn't read anything. Um, but I did see the name of the movie when he was pausing it. The movie was called Bound. It's apparently, I looked it up, it's a movie from like 1996 and it's labeled like one of the better lesbian gangster heist movies. Everybody on their computer right now Googling the movie Bound. Oh, yeah. you did a quick boy. <laughs> because you got Jennifer Tilly in it and you also got yep. Gina Gershon in it. So I could see oh, how... The, I think I've seen this movie. Of course you have. <laughs> a lesbian heist movie, of course. Of course you've seen it. I'm going to watch it this weekend. (laughs) First of all, it's rated R. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with the movie, but... Mm -hmm. Not at a trampoline park with a bunch of kids around. trampoline park? And so I'm sitting there and I'm struggling with it because I'm like, do I say something? Do I call him out? Do I say, hey, dude, like, put it away. Come on. I I mean, I don't know what to do. I don't know how he's going to react. I don't even know if he has a kid there. Like... Well, I don't think, well, I would hope the facility, normally facilities like that, they will Mm. not let you in unless you have a child with you. So I'm not going to lie, the way the facility works, like you can walk in without Mm. a kid. Like the way Mm -hmm. you, the way you enter, it has, you walk in and you can walk in straight and just walk in or you can walk into the left and that's where you register and get signed up. And so you can walk in without a kit. Mm. Now he's sitting there. He doesn't look up once. He's not looking for a child. He's not keeping an eye on his kid. That's not to say his kid is not there. He could just, you know, it's an older kid. He doesn't have to keep an eye on them. And that's fine. That's his way of parenting. But I don't, I don't know what to do. And so I was just sitting there like, Ooh, what do I do? So, you know, did you not say anything? I didn't. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie and I don't know if I've just seen clips of it or not. Um, but I remember it was a couple of months ago that I was on a plane, right? And I'm watching, uh, that movie with Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. Oh, don't worry, darling. Don't worry, darling. Right. And it's on a plane. Um, but there is a very graphic sexual scene. In it. There, it just so there's happens. There's multiple. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time. And it just so happens, um, that they started to make an announcement on the plane in the middle of this scene. Oh, so it no. froze <laughs> while Harry Styles was having himself a good time down yonder on Olivia Wilde, right? Now, in this movie, Bound, I don't think that this isn't... It it wasn't sold as an overly sexualized, like, soft porn movie. But at that point, if you are a person in a trampoline park for young kids, and you're watching a movie, and he's... If you've never seen it before, you don't know what scene to expect or come. As soon as that scene comes... Yeah. You stop the movie, you pause the movie, and you go to something else, and you watch that in the privacy of your own home, not at a trampoline park around a bunch of kids. Right. And he didn't stop watching, right? He continued to watch... Watch. He continued, and he he had been sitting there for a good thirty minutes when I left, and he was continuing to sit there and watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got to be honest with you, I probably don't say anything either um, to management. Just because my concern is because you don't know how people are going to react. I feel everybody is so on right. edge. My fear would be getting into a confrontation with somebody that's not stable, and they could lash out at me. And that, that, that's a part of, like, living in fear. Now, um, if, if this is a straight-up porn, you know, oh, then, yeah, I'm, then I'm, yeah. I'm absolutely going to management. But this movie has scenes like that, but it's not about that. And that changes the texture for me, for you guys at all? Uh, I don't think I would say anything either way, to be honest. Even the porn. With the kids around. I wouldn't say something to him personally, Blaine, mm-hmm. but Mama Bear would come out yeah. and I would go to the, somebody at the front desk and be like, there's somebody watching an inappropriate video over there Same. around the kids. I can see that. Absolutely. And I would have... Even, the- even knowing that all the workers are like 17-year-old kids there? to add that at the end. Yeah, maybe I would go to management, maybe. All right, Blaine, thanks for coming on with us. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye now. Get it. The Bird Show. So maybe you have kids that are playing football right now, and you're starting to wonder in the long term, is it really going to be healthy for them? I mean, you saw DeMar Hamlin last year. You see concussion after concussion in the NFL. So you might be asking yourself, like, how healthy is it really 
for my kids to be playing football. Or your child's coming to you and wants to play football, and you're on the fence about whether or not you should even allow them to do it. Coy Wire, who's always been a friend of the Burt Show, personal friend of Kristen's, uh, is on CNN, just did a special uh, with Anderson Cooper called The Whole Story with Anderson Cooper, investigating hard hits. Can football be safe? And Coy's with us this morning. Hey, Coy. What's up, lovely people? How are you, my man? I'm doing well, busier than a one-armed man in a paper-hanging contest. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting that we're having you back on to talk about this now because the last time we had you on, we asked you the question, like, as a guy that played in the NFL and had to go through all the injuries, which are detailed a lot in this special, which I watched half of it yesterday, which is really, really great. You did such a good job, buddy. You did such a good job, man. Some of these scary injuries we saw last year have many people questioning again, is football too dangerous? Should we let kids play the game? And my reporting shows that the game is not only safer than it's ever been, it's trending in a direction where it's only going to continue to get safer. All 50 states now have concussion protocols, which I think is super important because that didn't exist before. We're seeing a lot of youth kids uh, wearing guardian caps, where it's these like pillow-like pads that go over top of the helmet. We're seeing some of the things that are happening at the pro level trickle down into the high school and youth levels. I think that's super important. The most important thing is there's an awareness, a cognizance of football is not chess. Football is not basketball. It's a violent game. And I think that's what a lot of people love about it. But also knowing that now and knowing what the potential long-term risks are of the game, we're seeing a mindset shift that coaches and players at the NFL level and down saying, all right, if I see an injury now, come on out of the game. It's okay. You don't have to tough it out. I think those are words that are starting to disappear and that's a good thing. Yeah, I have noticed a shift as far as people have treated football players, especially NFLers, like we're paying you millions of dollars, go out there and entertain me. But now they're realizing these are humans. Mm -hmm. These are lives that are being dramatically affected by some of these hits. When you went to go back to visit your old high school and you're talking to some of those high school kids, Do you see a hesitancy with the parents and the high school kids, or is there still a passion for football like there was before? There is no doubt a passion. Football is just like, that's why this is important, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's such a huge thread in in the fabric of our culture here in America. 82 of the top 100 most watched television programs last year were NFL games. An additional five were college games. I mean, people love their football and kids love playing it. I think it's just pertinent at the NFL level, which our reporting in the documentary shows, we go to a secret lab, if you will, down in Virginia where they're testing helmets, they're testing shoulder pads, they're testing playing surfaces and different types of cleats and how they interact with the different playing surfaces. And they're publishing in medical journals and helmets are evolving at nine times the rate they used to. Again, it's important what the pros are doing because that trickles down. They are the lead that everyone follows. The high school and youth levels will follow. You guys remember ESPN, Bert, back in the day when they had that jacked up, that segment where mm-hmm. they show the yeah. biggest hits of the week? Sure. That was the norm. Like seeing guys get knocked out cold, that was the norm and that was part of the culture. Well, Again, that culture is shifting. That culture is changing. That type of stuff makes most people cringe now, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Coy, I feel like I hear this a lot, so I'm curious as to what you would say to the critics who feel like football is just a dangerous game, period. There's nothing you can really do to make it much safer, and that's why they get paid the money they do. Like, What would you say to the people who feel that way? I would say you are absolutely right. It is a dangerous game. I wake up a lot of mornings, I feel like I was in a car crash. The game is not for everyone, Mo, but, you know, we each walk the path we've chosen, and that was my passion, and I know it's a passion for so many. Being open and having these deeper conversations like we're having right now, showing with what the documentary digs into is just how safe is it? Well, what's being done? Where is the hundreds of millions of dollars the NFL is using for research? How is it being spent? How is it benefiting? Okay, not the pros. No one goes to play pro. Only like one-tenth of one percent of high school kids play pro. Why does that matter to me? Well, because what they're doing is setting the tone and tempo to make it a safer game moving forward. What would you say to any parents out there who are on the fence about allowing their child to play football? Something my dad brings up in the documentary, I don't want to give too much away. He says, if I had to do it all over again, I think mom and I would make you play flag football when you're little. (laughs) Young kids don't have to play contact. These parents don't have to be worried until, wait till they get to high school. Flag football is incredible. You learn the same values and principles and learn techniques of the game, and you save getting hit till later on until your body's a little more developed. I love that. 
It's a really, really great show. Um, you might have missed it as it ran on uh, CNN. It's the whole story with Anderson Cooper investigating hard hits. Can football be safe? And Coy is featured in the entire thing. So where can they find it now, Coy? So it will be living on Max or HBO Max, if you will, starting October 11th. But if you have cable provider, you should be able to go to the on-demand section of CNN. That's also on any CNN streaming platform. It's a really great show. You did a really, really great job on it, my dude. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your time and support and love all the time. Thank you. Get it. The Bird Show. You know, I don't know how it's possible that guys got the brand of being the grosser gender. Because I got stats today to prove that that, you guys have caught up. (laughs) (laughs) I have never. And surpassed. Surpassed? Surpassed even. Can't everybody just be gross? Does it have to know one gender? I I don't know a dude that has done this. So how did this even come up? Um, God, how did this come up? I had talked about it forever ago. Weighing yourself before... And after you poop to see how much your poop weighs, I thought was exclusively a Kristen thing. And certainly I have put women higher on the decency scale than dudes and never thought that other women did this. I thought this was strictly Kristen. And I have an Instagram poll to prove that you're not alone. But go ahead. Okay. okay. So, yeah, years ago, I, I disclosed that there was a scale in the hotel bathroom. And, of course, I did what any natural person would do. No, no. Which is I weighed myself before and after <laughs> I dropped a deuce to see how much weight I lost, like how much you actually like. And I was really impressed. Like, I lost a whole pound. And it's like, you know, I don't do it all the time. But if time permits and I'm not in a rush and, you know, I can do it, I do it. But how did we, I can't, I honestly can't even recall how we started oh, wow. talking about this the other day. Well, but it came up again and Cassie had my back because right. she has done this. Yeah, I don't think it's gross. I think it shows an innate curiosity for how the human body works. And I'm a very oh. curious person. Now, Abby, on the other hand, she thinks we're disgusting. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't put this in the gross category. I might put this in the bizarre <laughs> box. <laughs> This is definitely in the bizarre box for sure. So I thought this would be one of the issues that me and my fiance could bond over. You guys being gross, of course, because she and <laughs> bizarre, I are—we're not—we're not—we're not poop people. We don't talk about our poop. Uh-huh. We don't. I mean, I've told you guys before. We go on vacation. We don't even poop in the hotel room. One of us goes to the lobby. Still, to this day, yeah, that's how poopy snobs we are. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Okay. So I at least went to her, and I'm like, okay, let's bond over Cassie and Kristen being totally gross. And I'm like, can you believe what Cassie and Kristen do? Yeah. And like, I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Guess what? Hot girls poop too. Huh. Yeah, apparently. I know they poop. I didn't know they weighed it. <laughs> you, don't, no, you don't weigh the poop. We use science and mathematics yes. mm-hmm. and subtraction to determine. Actually, it is a very, we're just encouraging STEM. Yes. <laughs> this is the future of STEM right here. <laughs> Women in science. <laughs> So Kristen, as Bill a sidebar, so <laughs> Kristen, as a sidebar the other day, because I came in here just shaking my head after I asked my fiance about it. And she's like, do an Instagram poll. I think that you'll be shocked. I, I really wanted to. You really genuinely seemed so disappointed. And I'm like, I guarantee you m- more people do this than you realize. I have hung out with a lot of gross dudes in my life. A lot of gross dudes. Dudes love poop. They love talking about poop. Uh-huh. I have never met one guy that has ever done this. <laughs> ever. Neither, not one. Never even thought about it. So just checking. Tommy never done it. Kaylee never done it. Man, no. Y'all are boring. Lady. Tommy'd have to use one of those truck scales. Herbert. <laughs> 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 That's impressive. Poop on your porch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I just wrote three women I know and respect have now told me they have weighed themselves before and after they poop. Women. Ladies, have you ever weighed yourself before or after a poop? Oh, Cassie, he respects us. Yay! Not anymore. (laughs) Three other women, right? Uh, 64% said yes. Yay! Way in poop today, astronaut tomorrow. Sixty four percent. I love some of the DMs you're getting too. DMs DMs or DMs. Oh my God. Yeah, let's see. What have the DMs been today? <laughs> oh, I tinkled myself a little. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, weigh yourself. Yeah. Quick, weigh yourself. Here's a, here's a DM. Uh, I've even done it before slash after I pee. These are women. 
Wow. I've never done it after urination. I've always yeah. said I wish they made a scale that goes around your toilet ring to see what you're losing as you go. What? This is from a woman. I would buy that. Uh, it's fascinating. Um, I've even done it before and after I pee. I've always said I... Oh, I've already done that one. Uh, hold on a second. Um... Oh, yeah, this woman says, uh, it was after a segment when Kristen said she did it, and I thought, hmm, I'm going to try that. <laughs> two pounds, two pounds dropped. Oh, wow. Two. She pooped a baby. Uh, <laughs> two, pounds. two pounds. Two pounds. That's a baby. <laughs> uh, and then uh, this the one just baby. came in, which is, uh, I just weighed myself before and after my morning pee, and I lost 1.3 pounds. <gasps> How about that? So I just wrote back, congrats. Y'all can stop holding your <laughs> pee that long. I'm shocked you don't do this. You're such a health nut. I know. And you love like the ins and outs. Why? Why? I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how that's going to benefit him. <laughs> that right. knowledge is going to benefit him on his health journey. Hello, Brenda. Good morning. <laughs> you are a doctor. <laughs> on the Burt Show. Hi. 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 Um, I went to the Quick Weight Loss Center. Yeah. I think that's where Tommy went before. And yep. I was told that you, your intestines can actually hold 12 to 14 pounds of poop. Stop. <gasps> what? Okay, so all I heard was I can um, automatically take 14 pounds <laughs> off my body weight because it's feces. I think that was a, a rumor that John Wayne, back in the day when he died, he had like 10 pounds of in his intestines. <laughs> I'm dead. No, that's incorrect. What? It can hold 20 to 25 what? pounds. What? Shut up. Mm, for we the, got 20. We're, no for the average human of a height from five to five and a half feet. So if you're taller than that, you can hold even more poop. Bo, I wonder how much you got in there. Are you 30% poop? I don't know. <laughs> Look at what Lexington is missing. <laughs> Look at what they're missing from dropping this show. It's the first show. Thanks for listening. Get more Bird Show fix at thebirdshow.com or follow us on social media at The Bird Show.